nature of that gossip, that gossip has an internal meaning to it that is so deep and sad and tragic. Just because you don't think your sin is not that bad, it doesn't mean that it's not that bad. Let me give you an example. Netflix show. I'm really into, I mean, the way that I watch Netflix is, if there's a TV series on Netflix, I watch the first episode and the last episode. That's what I do, right? Because, you know, I don't have time. So there's a show called Beef and Netflix. It's a very sad show. Beef in Netflix is about, it's about two Asians, right, who are, like, you know, like, they clash over, like, in, in, in a parking lot, so in a parking lot in L.A. The guy was backing up, and the, girl, and, and the woman was driving, and she almost hit his car, and, he, and she honked at him, and that really annoyed him. And then as she was driving off, she made a, you know, the very friendly gesture that people make when they're annoyed. You know what I'm talking about? Right? We all know what I'm talking about, right? They made a significant hand gesture to She made a hand gesture to him that made him mad, and he followed her. That initial road rage led to a chain of events that destroyed everything in their lives. At the, at the last episode, this isn't spoiling anything, at the last episode, they looked at each other and says, I don't know how we got here. All I did was, all we did was road rage. They can't believe that incident of road rage led to such destruction. Such is the nature of sin. Just because we think it's innocent, it doesn't mean that it is. God fully known the meaning and the sadness and the tragedy of our sins in order to forgive us. He needed to send his son to be a sacrifice for our sins. Merely agreeing with me that Jesus died for you is not enough. How do I know? When I was writing my sermon on Friday, I was like typing up a storm, 12.30 a.m., June bug, sent me, a, sent me a Facebook chat. Normally I'm really annoyed when someone like texts me at like 12.30 at midnight. Some of my paralegals do that. It really annoys me because that's the way, that's the time that I work, right? But June, I was, I was a little annoyed, but not anymore because June sent me a clip saying, Pastor, he sent me a sermon clip of a Korean elder guy. He says, Pastor Jay, I think this guy is similar to what you, how you preach. Really? And I listened to it. And it was like, I was so shocked how similarly what he said to what I usually say. And I say, I thought, man, I'm really harsh with you guys. Right? Oh, man, I, I repented. No, no, not really. <laughs> but one thing that guy said, and this is true, he says, if you just look at a cross and say, yeah, Jesus died for my sins, he says, that's not enough. He says, true faith me means looking at a cross and first saying, yeah, I deserve to be on that cross. My sins are so horrible that I deserve to be on that cross. 
but rather than me is Christ. Can I ask you something? Do you know it's supposed to be you on that cross? And the most, the most right thing to do for God is for you to be on that cross. Do you agree with me? I don't know about you, but I think when God says go to the cross, I think for me, I think it's the most natural thing for, I think it's right for God to send me to the cross. It really, this isn't rhetoric that I'm giving you. But I think God is perfectly right to send me to the cross. Because I get a little bit of glimpse of what my sin means. Do you have that understanding about yourself? Rather than you, he went. You deserve to go there. I deserve to go there. But rather than you, rather than me, him. That's what manifested in the flesh means. He went to the cross for you and for me because our sins are so sad, evil, and tragic. So that's the first part. He was manifested in the flesh. Second part, Paul says, he was vindicated by the Spirit. Small group leaders, listen to me carefully. This ain't easy to understand. What does it mean for Christ to be vindicated by the Spirit? The word vindicated means confirm, attest something to be true. What this, what this verse means is when, when the Holy Spirit, when, the power, when God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit resurrected Jesus from the dead, that his resurrection confirms that all the claims that Jesus made on this earth is true. Look, during this time, during Jesus' time, there were like 30 people in the, in the town of Israel, in the nation of Israel, who claimed to be God, who claimed to be Son of God. There were many messianic figures during that time. In fact, there's many messianic figures now. Like a few years ago, I was pumping gas at Route 50, you know, by the new, new, new H-Mart? Or is it H-Mart or Lotte number 50? Place with the topoki with chadol topoki. H-Mart. There's a gas, Shell gas station across from the, across from the Fairfax gas station. I was pumping gas, and there was like, this guy in a white Volkswagen. Right? He pulled up, and, and I was pumping gas. He was pumping gas. He says, excuse me. I say, yep. He says, do you know that God is in the earth? I go, really? Yeah. He said, and I said, yeah, his name is, now I realize, he was, he was talking about JMS, that JMS guy. Whatever, what was his name? Chung Myung Seok, right? His name is Chung Myung Seok. And I, I never heard of him. I said, a Korean dude? <laughs> and that offended him a little bit. Yeah, he's Korean, but he's God. I go, okay, bye. And I left. So there's many messianic figures a lot of them in Korea for some reason. Korea, delusions of grandeur. Many people in Korea think they're Jesus. I don't know why. Many messianic claims during Jesus' time. 
Jesus claimed to be God. He says, me and the Father are one. Before Abraham was, I am, which means the burning bush that appeared to Moses in Exodus. Jesus says, that's who I am. Jesus claimed to be God. But Romans chapter 1, verse 4 says, that he was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Holy, Holy Spirit. That he was declared to be the Son of God with the power of the resurrection from the dead, according to the Holy Spirit. What this means is, when the Holy Spirit rose, when, when God the Father resurrected Jesus from the grave, the fact that Jesus was resurrected is evidence that all the claims that Jesus made about himself is true. Why is the resurrection important? Why is the historical fact of the resurrection important? Because when Jesus Christ was rose from the dead, that confirms, that vindicates, confirms to the world that all the claims that Jesus Christ made is true. JMS guy, when he dies, he will not be raised from the dead because he's a charlatan and an evil man. The founder of the Moonies, he died. He said he and his, he's Jesus' little brother. Jesus' little brother, when he died, he, doesn't, he wasn't raised from the dead. They're just foolish men. But the fact that Jesus was, was physically raised from the dead, Paul says, that's confirmation that all the claims that Jesus made about himself is true. Especially the statement, in Jesus' blood, your sins are forgiven. Because he rose from the dead, that Jesus' promise that he bore the weight of your sin, it became true. It is true. It is confirmed to be true because he rose from the dead. Guys, Christians believe in the historicity of the resurrection. Jesus did not rose from the dead metaphorically. Jesus did not rose from the dead figuratively. Jesus rose from the dead in, in material time and space fashion. And because he did, his promises to you and me to forgive our sins, for us to be made righteous in the sight of God, is absolute truth. That's why Paul says, if Jesus did not raise from, from the grave, then we are still in our sins. But the fact that he rose is the truth that your sin and mine, for those who believe in his name, have been forgiven. That is what it means for, Jesus, for the Spirit to vindicate the Spirit. Small group leaders, can you teach this? I wonder which small group I'm going to go to this Friday. Hmm. Next, he was seen by the angels. What does this mean? He means when Jesus Christ was rose from the dead, his resurrection was witnessed by angels. 1 Peter chapter 1, it says the angels long to see God working out the mysteries of salvation. What, it will, what, what Peter means is this. Consider, like, 
the angel's fascination of God's saving work, similar to, let's say, Korea and Japan make it to the World Cup semifinals. Every red-blooded Korean will stop working, will be glued to their TV seat, will, will glue to their sofas, and look at their, will look, look, at the, look at that match, right? If by the miracle of God, Korea and Japan make it to the World Cup Finals, every red-blooded Korean, quarter Korean, half Korean, 10% Korean, will look at that game. Because we'll find it fascinating. The angels, what fascinated them most is how God can work out his salvation when he saves people like you and me. God's outworking, God's demonstration of perfect grace, perfect love, perfect justice that is worked out in Jesus Christ, that fascinated the angels. And that's why when Jesus was raised from the dead, angels were all looking in fascination. Your salvation and mine are sorts of great fascination to the angels. Alistair Beck tells us of a play that he once, a play that he once watched. And in the play, right, it's, it's like the moment after the resurrection. The angels were in heaven waiting for, waiting for the first guy to come into heaven who was saved, right? They were just waiting, okay, Jesus did this great act of salvation. He died for us on the cross. He died for the people on the cross. Who will be the first entrant? Who will be the first person to enter, the, enter heaven? They were all waiting to see who the person was. Who is the first person to enter paradise after the resurrection? Do you know? Who is it? Is it Paul? Stephen? It was a thief on the cross, remember? The guy on the cross. The guy who said, I deserve to die for the things that I've done. But he looked at Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you go to your kingdom. And Jesus says, you'll be with me in paradise. That guy who had no theological training, who lived his entire life as a criminal, he is the first entrant. He's the first customer in, in, in heaven. That kind of grace, that kind of love, blew the angels' minds, Alistair Beck says in that play. When you and I are saved, it just blows the minds of angels of how great God's love for you is. That's what Paul is saying. Witnessed by angels. He says, proclaim among the nations. After the resurrection, Paul when he says proclaim among, among the nations, he's talking about the first witnesses of the church. Remember when Jesus was crucified, when he died on the cross? All the disciples fled. And they were hiding in the upper room. Remember? 
They were hiding themselves from the religious leaders who, who, may, who they were afraid they were going to be executed. They were afraid of the Jewish mob. So they were just afraid. They were in the upper room hiding. But when the risen Christ appeared before them, they became confident of the reality of Jesus Christ. When the risen Christ appeared before them, they, they, they saw Jesus as truth. John, the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 1, he says, he writes this letter because he is a witness of the resurrected Christ. He has seen Christ. He has seen the resurrected Christ. He has touched the resurrected Christ. He has heard the resurrected Christ. He's a witness to the resurrected Christ. That's what John is saying. All the apostles witness to the truth of the resurrected Christ. And this assurance of Jesus' resurrection through the power of the Holy Spirit empower them to leave their upper rooms and start to preach Christ to the people they were once afraid of. Jesus appeared before the 500 other, the resurrected Christ appeared before 500 other witnesses. These 500 witnesses went out to spread the truth about Jesus Christ. And that's how the early church was born. The people who were so sure of the resurrected Christ, the apostles, went all over the world preaching about the certainty of the resurrected Christ. They went all over the world. They went to Asia. Some of them went to China, they say. Some of them went to Africa. They went all over the world preaching Christ. Because to Christ, was, Jesus Christ was not a figurative, imaginary, abstract concept, but he was the truth. The Apostle Andrew, one of Jesus' original disciples, you know how he died? They say he died being bound on the cross. They didn't crucify his hand. They bounded him. I think they punctured his side. So he was slowly bleeding to death for three days. And they say Andrew, for the three days that he was living, as life was slowly going out of him, for three days he preached Christ. Why? Because Andrew was so sure of Jesus Christ. People who just think Jesus is a concept cannot preach Christ as they expire. But Andrew was so sure of it because he witnessed his resurrection. The apostles went over the world proclaiming the resurrection of Christ. And Paul says the resurrected Christ was believed on in the world. As the early church preached the resurrected Christ, people who have never heard of Jesus came to living faith in Jesus Christ. It's a crazy thing. Gentiles who once worshipped 
the false god Diana and Artemis. People in the remote villages of, of, of the of village part, remote parts of the world, they started to believe in the certainty of Jesus Christ. These people were not raised Christians like you and me. They never heard of Jesus. But miraculously, they started to believe. That's what Paul says to the, to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. He says, I came to you with the power of God. He says, as I preached to you, the power of God accompanied his teaching. And that power of God transformed the Thessalonian Christians from an idolatrous people into the children of the living God. Their transformation is evidence of the living God. Look, one of my best friends in the world. I, told, I think I told you about every Easter I think about her. My best friend in the world. One of the smartest ladies that I know. Besides my wife. My wife is the smartest. You heard that, kids, right? Tell your mom, right? The second smartest lady. Besides every lady here. Okay? Woo, nice save, Pastor Jay. Wisdom. She's one of the smartest ladies that I know, right? She said she tried, she, all her life she wanted to experience God. So she followed all these charismatic healers, right? You remember, like Benny Hinn? Benny Hinn, he says, you are saved. And then this part of the audience, they fell, right, and experienced God. She wanted that kind of experience. And one day she had, she had that kind of experience. She went to, a, went to like a charismatic conference. And she said, okay, like, like, you know, she was coming up to the preacher, and when the preacher touched people's forehead, they just fell back. And she said, yes, this is my opportunity. And she went in front of the line. This is it. I'm going to fall. Yes. And the preacher said, in the name of Jesus, and touched her head. And what, what happened? She fell. But the guy behind her didn't catch her. Why? Because he wasn't a believer, that guy. He fell. She fell, and she got up and said, I felt nothing. She said, oh, maybe I should start reading the Bible. So she started reading the book of Romans for a month. And she said, I cried and cried and cried as I was reading Romans over and over and over again. And as she was reading Romans, she found Christ. This kind of miraculous conversion happens even today. It happened to some of you. It happened to me. Because Christ was a resurrected the power of the Holy Spirit is a witness to his resurrection. And when we preach his name, people are converted. And finally, Paul says, Jesus was taken up in glory. He's talking about the ascension of Jesus Christ. After his ministry, after, after 
he, after his resurrection, he ministered to the disciples. Then he was ascended into heaven. When he ascended it back to God, it says God placed him on his right hand and gave him honor above every other created being in the universe. Because of his faithful service to God and his people, God gave him name above every name. That the name, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What this means is because of his faithful obedience to God on the cross, Jesus became Lord of all things. That's what Paul says in, in Ephesians chapter 1. After his resurrection, after his ascension, as he is seated on the right hand of God, Jesus Christ rules everything in this present age and the age to come. Being rose to glory means that Jesus Christ rules everything and everyone in this present age and the age to come, including every little incident episodes of your life. Pastor Eugene, what he says during call worship is true. PJ can't win every case. PJ wins most cases, but PJ can't win every, every case. Whether I win him or whether I lose him, God is, God is in control of every aspect of my life. Guys, as a parent, you know, as a parent, you want your kids to do well. Right? You want your kids to hit certain milestones. Do well in school, get into a good college, have a good job. You, you, you wish your kids will just hit the key milestones of their lives. But here, parents, I'm here to tell you, your, your kids won't hit the milestones the way you want it to, when you want it to. You won't, they won't. I love you, kids. No judgment. And when they don't, you feel hurt and disappointed. But even in those moments, what brings me out of just disappointment is the understanding that even my children's life, every day of my children's life, is under the dominion and control of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he was raised in glory. He's ascended into glory. He controls everything. My life, my death, embrace, law firm, my eyes, everything he controls. Because he was raised from the dead and he was ascended into glory. Jesus Christ ascended into glory means he controls everything in this present age and the age to come. That's what Easter Sunday means. He came as a servant, went on a tree in order so you don't have to. He was resurrected, which proves all his claims are true. His resurrection was witnessed by the angels and by the apostles. And the witnesses went out and preached God's name everywhere. And he was ascended to glory. He controls your life now. Can't you see in, these, in this one verse, 
This one verse encapsulates everything that we believe about Jesus Christ. And it is this belief about Jesus Christ that needs to govern your life and mine. It is this encapsulation of the truth of God in Jesus Christ that needs to be the light onto your feet and the light onto your path. That is the thing that defines you and that's the thing that defines your life. If you are a Christian, oh guys, the resurrection, the resurrection means everything. If you don't have this, I don't think you have, you have you don't, I don't think we have much else. I pray that God will reveal his mystery to you completely. That's all I was praying for you. At late hours of the night, last night, I was at, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I was praying for the mystery of godliness to reveal to all of you, and I was fervently praying for you. Let that be your prayer as well. Let's pray. time, why don't we just have a brief moment of prayer? The question we ask ourselves is this. Have the mystery of godliness, has the mystery of Jesus Christ been revealed to you? Is Jesus Christ, the full revelation of Jesus Christ, is this how you see all things? Or is he just a religious convention in your life? what you need to be made whole, what you need to be made complete is for your mind and your heart and your emotions to grasp the mystery of godliness in Jesus Christ. 